Dexter Lawrence got a massive extension from the New York Giants, but is Saquon Barkley next? We talk about that. Get into the Aaron Rodgers trade for the New York Jets in their draft class. I'll talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and where they slot in in the AFC North. All coming up next here on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Monday. That means you have me, Kevin Ostreicher, one of the many NFL experts here on our network. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe for free, both in audio form and video form. We're a daily five-day-a-week NFL podcast. So any NFL news, analysis, updates, we have it all here for you on our show. And here today, after a very busy draft weekend, you know, we talked a lot about that and how teams ended up faring over the course of the last week. But now we're going to continue that conversation and talking about first up with Patricia Trainer of Locked On Giants, Dexter Lawrence and that massive extension and whether Saquon Barkley could be next in his situation, which doesn't seem to have a ton of movement. So we'll talk with her about that in the first segment. Then in the second segment, we'll move over to the New York Jets with John Butchko of Locked On Jets as we'll talk Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk Jets draft class as well. Then finally, we'll move over to Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers as we talk about that Steelers draft class. I thought they had a really good one and where they slot in in the AFC North right now. So without any further ado, let's talk about the New York Giants, Dexter Lawrence, and Saquon Barkley with the train of Locked On Giants. Well, defensive linemen, they're getting paid in the New York Giants. Made one of theirs extremely well paid over the course of the last week here in Dexter Lawrence. And here to talk about that with me is Patricia Trena, the host of Locked On Giants. And Patricia, Dexter Lawrence has been phenomenal in the middle of that Giants defense, and now he gets rewarded for it. Four years, $90 million, about 60 guaranteed there. How do you feel like this deal kind of stacks up with the rest of the market that we've seen for defensive linemen and kind of what Lawrence has provided for the Giants on the field? Was it just right for you? Was it a bit of an overpay, maybe even a bit of an underpay? No, I think it's definitely in line with what the other top interior defensive linemen are getting. You know, granted, Aaron Donald is the granddaddy of them all. Nobody's going to come close to getting what he's getting. But considering how Dexter Lawrence has evolved in his career, he went from basically being a two-down run stuffer to an every-down player who can rush the passer. Last year, of course, he led the team in sacks. He he led the team in quarterback hits. He set a new career high for tackles. So Dexter Lawrence has really benefited in this defense as coordinated by Wink Martindale and you know, also we got to give credit to defensive line coach Andre Patterson, who came in and basically helped polish up his technique. So as far as, you know, what Dexter earned, you know, well deserved for the young man and certainly in line with what his peers are getting. And when you talk about his impact, you talked about how he's kind of transformed his game into what he is now. Along that defensive line and even in that defensive unit, Patricia, just how important is he to their success moving forward? Oh, huge. Absolutely huge. I mean, we saw last year when he had to come out and take a breather, the drop-off was very noticeable. And look, you cannot ask a Dexter Lawrence or even a Leonard Williams for that matter, or any defensive lineman 
to play like 90% or more of the snaps. Now, fortunately, knock on wood, Dexter Lawrence has been durable for the Giants. The only game in his career he missed was that regular season finale last year when all the starters were given the week off. So if you want to have Dexter Lawrence in your lineup for the foreseeable future, you've got to reduce his snaps. You can't expect him to play 90% or more of the snaps. And, you know, this is a, a guy who he comes in, He's a hard worker. He's usually in great shape and he's, he's still got much more he can accomplish and he wants to accomplish. He told everybody on Friday, look, I want to be great. I want to be a hall of famer one day and just, you know, he'll get there. He, he, he's the type who will get there through his work ethic. Yeah. And I know that he's a huge part of that defensive treasure, but also the giants throughout the 2023 draft, they added a big piece and a couple more to that defense too. Deontay Banks, the 24, 20- fourth overall selection in that draft and how does he kind of fit in with what they want to do Patricia and how'd you like the rest of that draft well Deontay Banks I mean to me there was no question about which direction they might go if the receivers came off the board it was either going to come down to receiver or cornerback and the receivers when they started coming off the board it was pretty obvious to me it was going to be a cornerback but they would have to maybe trade up because I think there was a run that started on cornerbacks but Deontay Banks can play press coverage, press man coverage, which is what Wink Martindale likes. And I've said it all along in the offseason leading up to the draft that the Giants wanted to close the talent gap between themselves and the Eagles and the Cowboys who have these speedy receivers. They had to get faster in the back end of their defense. They just lacked that speed. And we saw it all too often where they were getting burnt left and right by the faster receivers that they face, especially in the division. So Deontay Banks, a really good pick for them. You know, he's going to pair up with Adore Jackson as the starters at uh, either cornerback spot. And uh, they're looking forward to seeing what he could bring to the table. As far as the rest of the draft goes, I really like this class. I made the comment after the class was, was all selected that on paper right now, this is probably the best class the Giants have drafted since 2007. And that class in 2007 actually helped them win a Super Bowl. And the reason why I like this class is because they got uh, two potential starters in John Michael Schmitz, the center, and Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver who they traded up for in the third round. Uh, Eric Gray is going to be um, instrumental, I think. You know, he was the fifth round pick running back out of Oklahoma. He's going to help keep Saquon fresh because I think the Giants are going to start to go to more of a committee approach in order to keep Saquon fresh and, you know, limit the injuries and the pounding that he takes during the course of the year. And then they've got three defensive players after that who might not be starters, might not be have big roles on the team, but their depth, their developmental pieces who, you know, when the time comes and the Giants have to move on from who they have in front of these guys, now they don't have to scramble and say, okay, what do we do now? Now they're going to have guys they develop who are going to be ready, hopefully, to step in when the time comes. Right, and Deontay Banks is a no-door-dash corner, as Don Mortendale talked about in last offseason during one of his press conferences, and he's a character up there on the mic. But, Patricia, you mentioned Saquon Barkley. It kind of transitions perfectly into what I want to talk about here with Saquon. It seems like there's been really no movement on his situation throughout the course of this offseason. I mean, what do you kind of know, and what's your gut feeling on maybe where Saquon could be this season and what his situation ends up being come the start of week one? Yeah, I think right now Saquon and his representatives might have a little bit higher number involved as to what they think he's worth. And I don't think that number aligns with 
what the market warrants and what the giants think he's worth. So it's a very tricky situation because the giants like Saquon, they want him here, but they're not going to blow all their money on, on one guy like that. I mean, running backs, if you look historically, running backs have decreased in value. Even some of the greater ones have decreased in value. They just don't get paid like they used to. So Joe Shane said that after the draft settled down, you know, in the post-draft activity, that he was going to put a call into Saquon's representatives, see where they were at. Basically, the way I took it is, have you rethought what you're asking for? And if you're if you have and you're ready to be more reasonable, then we'll open up negotiations. But if you haven't, then I don't think negotiations are gonna, you know, go much further. I think that Saquon is ultimately gonna end up playing on the tag. If he digs in and feels that he's worth 15, 16 million a year, he's gonna end up playing on the tag and then take his chances again next year. He's gonna gamble on himself, staying healthy, having another big year, play on the tag this year. And then next year when the Giants have some other guys up for consideration for the tag, take the hope that they don't tag him again uh, with the franchise tag. Now, if Saquon, if I were advising Saquon, I might say to him, look, you're not going to get what you're looking for, but isn't it better to take, you know, guaranteed money over multiple years that's going to be far exceed the 10.1 million that that the franchise tag is going to pay you than to sit there and dig in and just take the 10.1 million and call it a day that's what i would suggest to him you know take a shorter contract more guaranteed money and this way you're financially set but you know i don't know i mean saquon's got to got to kind of to me from the outside looking in it just doesn't seem like he's maybe as involved as he could be with the negotiations, he's kind of letting his agent handle it. And at the end of the day, guys that want to get it done will get more involved in it. And they will tell their agent, look, just get it done. So we'll see. I think if anything, is this going to go down to the July 17th deadline to get a long-term deal done? I hope they get a deal done. I am not optimistic as of this date that they will. Major shout out to Patricia for hopping on the show. And for more on Patricia's work, be sure to check out the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in our second segment, we'll be diving in to the Jets with John Butchko of Locked On Jets and that Aaron Rodgers mega trade and also how they did in the draft. So be sure to stay tuned. So a lot to dive into on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you're looking for a delicious snack, we don't want all the sugar and calories, and you need the best tasting protein bar ever in Built. And if you're like me, you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you with Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. And what makes them so good is for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you need to wait to get a box for you. I've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Like is look at your specialty flavors over at Built.com. And that's right, head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or a coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run and grab a 13-bar box with it flavors such as brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On NFL here on Monday. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. And we just talked with Patricia Strain of Locked On Giants. But let's move over to the other New York team. And let's talk about the New York Jets with John Butchko of Locked On Jets. They made a huge acquisition of Aaron Rodgers. And they had, I thought, a decently solid draft. I know people thought they might have reached for Will McDonald. But we'll talk about that and more with John Butchko now. 
Well, the New York Jets have had a busy couple of months here as they kind of maneuvered the Aaron Rodgers situation, but that is officially over as the Jets and Packers finally made a deal a few weeks ago. And here to talk about that with me as well as the Jets and their draft is John Butchko, the host of Locked On Jets. And John, I know it must have been a very tiring situation for you to kind of figure out, well, is Rodgers coming? Is he not? When's he coming over? They get the deal done. A pretty big package to go get, to go get Aaron Rodgers. What were your initial thoughts when the deal ended up being secured? You know, it's you said it perfectly, Kevin. It, it was really hurry up and wait. Uh, they, Aaron Rodgers announced on the Pat McAfee show in the middle of March, I'm coming to the Jets. It was over a month later that the deal actually got done, and the Jets ended up uh, sending a number of picks to Green Bay. They did a pick swap this year, which dropped them from the 13th pick to the 15th pick. They give up a second-round pick this year, and then they also give up a pick next year, which is probably going to be a first-round pick. Uh, the only way it's not a first-round pick is if Rodgers plays less than 65% of the snaps this year. If that happens, then it's probably going to be a high second-round pick. So we can assume it's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, look, they got Aaron Rodgers. Last year, their quarterback was Zach Wilson. They've upgraded at the most important position on the field, and they've gotten a guy who's going to be a future Hall of Fame quarterback. So there's a lot positive that can be said about it. The compensation seems quite high to me, considering Rodgers is 39. He's going to be 40 during the season. At best, you're probably getting it for two years. Um, and the thing I look at is there was no other team in the NFL that really wanted Aaron Rodgers. There were no other trade partners. The Green Bay Packers could not bring him back. The Packers had moved on. It would have been a fiasco if they brought him into training camp with Jordan Love. I mean, you're going to sit Aaron Rodgers on the bench, and if not, then – you pretty much have to move on from Jordan Love, who's the guy that they want to play quarterback this year. So I think that the Jets panicked a little bit. I, I don't know why they had to give up what they gave up. Now, again, they got Aaron Rodgers. So from that standpoint, if you're a Jets fan, you got to be happy. The compensation's quite large, though. I mean, it's it's the type of compensation you give up for a player of Aaron Rodgers' caliber, but probably not a player who's 39 years old. You, you, give, up, you give up that compensation for a player like Aaron Rodgers if he was – five to 10 years younger. And if they did that, then you'd really say that's a great trade. You know, that, that they gave they didn't give them a whole lot. Only getting Aaron Rodgers for one to two years. I, I, looking at the other circumstances, I do wonder a bit whether they really needed to give up that much, whether if they had just waited the Packers out, they could have gotten a more favorable deal. Yeah, you know, it, it almost seems to me like the Jets and, and Aaron Rodgers said I do almost too early to kind of, you know, they, they tipped their hand and they said, well, this is what's going to happen. And the Packers said, well, now we know he's going to go there and we're just going to wait you out. I, again, you're getting, you're getting Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, you, you mentioned it, Zach Wilson, to Aaron Rodgers. It's a little bit of an upgrade. It's just, it's just a tiny bit in, in terms of those, what is probably going to end up being two first round picks. You can make the argument that if Rodgers does not deliver a Super Bowl or at least a Super Bowl worthy season to the Jets, it's almost, you know, was that trade worth it? You kind of get into the questions there, but the Jets did have the draft. John, they moved back from 13 to 15, as you talked about. Took Will McDonald, the edge rusher there. Also, I think added some solid pieces. What you like about their draft overall? You know, it's interesting. Will McDonald was not a guy on anybody's radar. In fact, as I mentioned, the day the Jets picked him on Locked On Jets, that was not a name I mentioned once in the lead up to the draft. I mean, this was a pick that was kind of out of left field. And I think they were really focused on the offensive line. I think if the Jets were being honest with you, and this is just me speaking, this is no insider information, but putting the pieces together, I think if the Jets were being honest with you, they wanted to get one of the big four tackles. And 
in that sense, the Rodgers trade kind of looms large because they dropped from fifteen to thir- uh, from thirteen to fifteen. They swapped first round picks with Green Bay, which allowed the Steelers to jump them and to trade up with New England. The Jets originally had thirteen; they dropped to fifteen. The Steelers traded up to fourteen to get Broderick Jones, the tackle out of Georgia. And I think the Jets wanted him because you you, you see this sometimes from time to time when you're watching the draft. Sometimes a team thinks they're getting a player, and then that player gets picked right before them, and they don't know what to do. And the Jets took, the, took their pick all the way down to the last minute. Common sense would suggest they were probably trying to trying to trade down. Common sense to me would suggest that they wanted a tackle, and after they did not get him, maybe there was a big drop-off on the board to Will McDonald. But that said, I, I look at Will McDonald, I think he's a really good fit for the Jets. And people say, well, that's not an area, that's not an area of need. People, I think sometimes we forget that there are two ways you can improve your team. You can improve an area that's not very good, but you can also make a strength stronger. And Will McDonald has the potential to do that. He's got a lot of tools uh, that can translate. I think he's actually got a pretty developed repertoire of pass rush moves on, on day one. Now he's got to add some bulk. I don't think he's going to be a three-down player his rookie season. But in a situational role, I think that he could, he could, he could chip in on, on an already good pass rush. And I think after, you know, with a year to hit the weight room and add some muscle, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question. He could be a very good player and he could step into the starting lineup in year two. So in that sense, I mean, he, he's still a top 15 pick. I think he's still a guy everybody was expecting to go either late first round, early second round. So I guess you could argue a little bit of a reach, but it's not like they drafted the guy who was a third or fourth round prospect and a guy with a lot of tools. And I think he really fits Robert Sala's defense well at the defensive end position. He's got what the Jets look for in the defensive end. So it's some, sometimes these moves, sometimes you get lucky. You know, sometimes the guy, sometimes you want a guy and then another team grabs him and you end up with a better player. And perhaps that's what will happen with the Jets this time. Yeah, it's that's an interesting thing where, you know, it seemed like a lot of people knew that, oh, the Jets wanted Project Jones or one of those offensive linemen and something happens there. But, John, we know this division in the AFC East is going to be super competitive 100% this year. It's been the Bills division over the past couple of seasons. Obviously, the Patriots had their historic run, and they're still in the mix a little bit there. Also, the Dolphins, you can't count them out. And then, obviously, the Jets, they showed tons of improvement last year. And I think, again, with the quarterback upgrade, can 100% be a playoff team this year. But where do they slot in for you right now based on everything they've done this offseason? You know, I think if we're talking the AFC, the clear top two teams are Kansas City, Cincinnati. Um, I think a lot of people would tell you Buffalo's number three. Buffalo's the class of the East, and they've won the division three straight years. So I think you'd have to put Buffalo uh, up there as well. Now, once you get below those top three, I think there's a second tier, and there are a number of teams in it. Uh, you've got Baltimore, you've got Jacksonville, you can argue the Chargers, the Dolphins. I think the Jets are in that mix, and I think the Jets have a very good chance of ending their playoff drought. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2010. It's not just the longest drought in the NFL. It is now the longest drought among the four major North American sports. I think the addition of Aaron Rodgers gives them a great chance to end that, and if everything falls into place, you know, sometimes you have a season where you just get some fortunate bounces in close games, or maybe you're maybe one of the teams you're you think you're going to be chasing just doesn't have the year they're expecting maybe they suffer some injuries i mean if things bounce right for the jets they could end up in the top of the afc or if they don't you know if they stay in that second tier they could be the team that get, makes the playoffs and gets hot and sometimes you know kevin i know you know this with the ravens so it's not always the team that's the best during the regular season that wins the super bowl sometimes it's just a good team that's playing the best in january and february that ends up taking home the trophy so I think what this move does is, first of all, it probably puts the Jets back in the playoffs. And second of all, it may not make them the favorite to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, but it gives them a puncher's chance if things fall into place for them. 
Always great insight from John there on those New York Jets. And for more on John's work and the Jets, be sure to check out the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Still more to come here on Locked On NFL. We'll be diving into the Pittsburgh Steelers with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers, talking about Broderick Jones and Joey Porter Jr. and more coming up next here on the show. We're back rounding out Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker still here with you on this Monday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe here. Follow along in audio form as well as we have daily NFL content for you five days per week. But now let's get into the end of the show here and talk with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers about what that Steelers team did during the draft, a very impressive draft class, plus where they stack up in that AFC North division. All coming up now. The Pittsburgh Steelers were definitely one of the biggest draft winners in that 2023 draft, just snagging value after value in here to talk about that draft class with me as well as just where Pittsburgh falls in the AFC North right now is Chris Carter, the host over at Locked On Steelers. And Chris, to me, Pittsburgh, you know, even being the Ravens guy over here on our network, one of the best drafts, in my opinion, I think they got a ton of value, as I talked about. Let's start off with Broderick Jones, though. The Steelers trade up to get him. They jumped the Jets, who pretty much I think everybody knew that Broderick Jones yep. was their guy that they wanted. Why did the Steelers make that move to go up and get him, and why do they feel like he can be a piece on that line for years to come? The Steelers are moving to being more back to bully ball. Like they they know that they that Kenny Pickett they think someday will become one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. But they know in his at least his second year, it's gonna take time for him to develop and and be a guy that can just sling the ball all game long and kind of take on those type of challenges. But in that time, you got Najee Harris, who they're very confident in how he's making progress. You have an offensive line that's now going to have Isaac Samalo from the Eagles probably playing at left guard. And now the biggest weakness that you saw left on that line was left tackle where fourth round second year player Dan Moore Jr. was at. And he was fine. He was adequate. But they wanted a guy who could be a pillar player for the future at left tackle. And so to me on my big board, I had Broderick Jones as my number one offensive tackle between him and Paris Johnson Jr. I was like, these are their top priorities in this first round. And uh, for them to get to get him and only give up a fourth round pick, which they kind of recouped later when they traded down in the third round. That was just amazing value for how they were able to get a guy who I mean, the Steelers, you think back in all of Steelers history, and I say this all the time on Locked On Steelers, you think back to Steelers, they have great centers like Mike Webster and Damani Dawson. They have great guards like Alan Fanica and David DeCastro, great linebackers, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, cornerbacks, safeties. The one position that they don't, they don't have like legendary greats is offensive tackle. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't been something they've invested into. They took time this last draft. I think they got that. They really got their guy and Broderick Jones. They love his athleticism. There's things you got to shore up in his pass protection. Cause he does sometimes I think he misses with his hands and he's a little too aggressive, but something Mike Tomlin always says, I'd rather say, whoa, than sick him. Meaning I'd rather have to tell you to let's pull it back a little bit. Let's sharpen some things than have to be motivate you to go, go out there and be aggressive. He, I think they like that about him. They're very excited to get to work with Broderick Jones. Yeah, and I think the crazy part about it, Chris, is the fact that a lot of people had Joey Porter Jr. mocked to them with their first rounder. And then all of a sudden, the Chase Claypool trade with Chicago gets them that 32nd overall pick. And so the end of the first round happens. Joey Porter Jr., I, I still don't know why he was still on the board, but the Steelers benefit. They're out there was all the talk. Should they trade out of that pick, get more assets? I think the Steelers just said, look, there's a heck of a player on this board right now who should not be here. We're going to go and take him. Obviously, there's the connection with Joey Porter Sr., I mean, how shocked were you that he was still on the board and how ecstatic were you that Pittsburgh was able to nab him there? 
I mean, I was very shocked because I, I thought after passing on, like trading up at 14 is like, like okay, he's not going to fall to 32. You know, if you, and, and this was a debate that I had with a lot of Steelers fans on the show. There's like, man, like, you know, offensive tackle would be great, but don't we need a, a top flight corner? Don't we need one of these guys that we think ranks up there as one of the better cornerbacks in this class? And, you know, if we wait again, we won't get one of those guys. And a lot of Steelers fans were stressing out about that. And especially when, you know, you saw not just Joey Porter Jr., but Christian Gonzalez fell down to them. And there was a lot of talk about him being the guy. But um, the, the Steelers waited. They were patient about it. Deontay Banks en- ends up going uh, at 24. And part of this also, I think, the Steelers looking at it and saying like, man, if Christian Gonzalez is falling all the way down to 17, maybe there's a chance that Joey Porter Jr. slips down a little bit. And if if someone takes a, takes a different corner and Deontay Banks, they let him, he, 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 he was taken by the Giants. So that slipped everything down. Joey Porter Jr. sitting there. That was a dream come true for the Steelers because I guarantee you they had a first round grade on, on Joey Porter Jr. And, you know, a, Typically, the, the pick 32 would be a first rounder if it wasn't for the Dolphins forfeited pick. So, yeah, they were ecstatic about it. And it was even kind of cooler because, you know, you, we've all seen the video now of, of Joey Porter Sr. like hugging Joey Porter Jr. after he didn't get picked in the first round and said, use this as motivation. Remember this. Keep that chip on your shoulder. And so after the first day when they weren't when he was name wasn't called, he, he went back to his home in Pittsburgh. And when the Steelers picked him. This, the, the Porter family just drove into the facility and like 45 minutes later after the pick, he's talking in front of the press, whereas like most people got to do conference calls and talk to press over the phones. And it was kind of really cool. And, you know, I had former Steelers on my show last week and they were like, are you kidding me? Like this kid, like we used to see this kid run around at training camp and try to guard Antonio Brown. And like this, this, this kid's he's been committed to this dream for so long and for him to actualize it and get to the Steelers where his dad was at, where he grew up in a lot of ways. Cause Joey Porter senior also played and coached for the Steelers over the span of two decades. Uh, so yeah, this, that was a heck of a pick for the Steelers. Great value too, for Joey Porter jr. If you didn't think he was a first round grade, I don't think there's too many people that would argue it. He's at least a second rounder and great spot to get him. Yeah, an, an incredible story, absolutely. But the Steelers have uh, an incredible draft, not just because of Broderick Jones and Joey Porter Jr., but the rest of that class it just seemed like Pittsburgh could not go wrong with any of their selections. They continue to get value throughout this draft. How'd you like the rest of what they did? Keanu Benton, he was one of my favorite defensive linemen. I had him ranked 33rd on my big board overall. Um, and I think I had him ranked as like my third or fourth defensive lineman. Uh, looking at guys, I had, of course, Jalen Carter, Kalijah Kansi as my top two. But then after that, I wasn't as impre- impressed by Mozzie Smith as, as some of the other people were. I thought he was good, but I was like, man, Keanu Benton, man, with his size and the way he he looked in the senior bowl. I really like it. And he's, he has to refine his pass rush moves, but he's physical. And, and something that he even kind of let slip in his conference call with the media here in Pittsburgh, he said, you know, coach Tomlin said he wanted some goons, man. And I'm down to be that. And what coach Tomlin was like, I'm going to have to teach him what not to share from our private conversations. But yes, that, that is what I told him. And part of it is the Steelers, they want to be physical again. They want to dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. You look back to 2020, they ranked dead last in the league in rushing. You look back to 2021, they ranked dead last in the league in rushing defense. Now, they're, they're rushing defense is better. Their offensive line is getting sharper. They have their premier running back in Najee Harris. And now they're fortifying the offensive line with guys like Broderick Jones and Isaac Smalo. They're fortifying, fortifying the defensive front with guys like Keanu Benton. This could be a very physical Steelers team at so many different parts of it, whether it's stuffing the run, rushing the quarterback, jamming wide receivers, run, running the football. I think that that's what they want to get back to, that tough Steelers identity.
Yeah, and it looks like they're on their way, and they, they upgraded their roster over the course of this draft weekend. And, Chris, I just want to ask about where you feel like they slot in right now in the AFC North. They're a very talented division. I think a lot of those teams had good drafts besides Pittsburgh. Do you feel like this is a team that can truly challenge that Cincinnati Bengals team for their top spot, or do you see them more as a wild card team at this point? It depends on how how the Bengals deal with their changes. Because to me, the Bengals, I like them getting Miles Murphy, DJ Turner, Jordan Battle, Charlie Jones, all of those guys. I was I was looking at as you know, like hey, these are good value guys. The only people that I thought would really be Steelers picks could be Jordan Battle or Charlie Jones, um, as far as where they'd fit for the Steelers. But when I looked at either any of those guys, I'm like hey, those are good picks. But a big part of what I saw with the Bengals defense over the past few years has been what they did at the safety position, not just Jesse Bates, but also Von Bell. And both of those guys left. And I think Lou Anarumo, Anamarumo, uh, he's going to need, as a defensive coordinator for them, he's going to need to to keep it up with them and keep the, the Bengals defense playing really sharply in big games. Because to me, that's what saved them in a lot of their tougher games uh, when Joe Burrow and the offense weren't clicking. And I'm intrigued to see, can they keep it up? Because I, I do think the Steelers are going to push for it. I think the Ravens had a very good draft. Um, I think that the Browns, they're going to be, it's going to be a big question mark with how they just don't have draft picks because of the Sean Watson trade. Does he develop in their offense? The current way I see uh, the current, the way I see things shaking out, I think that the Bengals are still my favorite to win the division, but the Steelers and the Ravens are going to be right on their heels. And I think it's going to be Steelers and Ravens just going back and forth all year, kind of hovering around it. And you may see three teams from the AFC North even make the playoffs this year in what's going to be a very hotly contested AFC conference. Big thanks to Chris for hopping on, talking Steelers football. And for more on Chris's work in the Steelers, be sure to check out the Locked On Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, it's more NFL content from your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow.